This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Now let's do this. Let's get to work today. Let's get into our series. Just so you kind of recap if you missed any of these last few weeks, we started this year by saying this is our dream year. In the first month of January, we spent the whole month talking about how do we discover and live God's dream for our life. Then in February, we said, let's, let's talk about two things that have a way of contributing to our joy, our happiness, our success in life. It's our relationships and our finances. So two weeks ago, we started with this series called Dream You. And week one, Pastor Isaiah, our incredible youth pastor, brought a message on friendship, how godly friendships impact the direction of our lives. Then last week, I talked about marriage and how God's desire for your marriage is that when you say till death do us part, you literally live your vows, you live your covenant. It was a wonderful time together last week. Today, as we jump into this, we got a different relationship topic that's so interesting. Now, my wife and I have been married for 18 years. We have three incredible children, Joey, Gavin, and Ella. And when we had the two boys, it was so interesting because I knew how to do boy stuff. Like everything in the house that can become a weapon became a weapon. Anything that could be thrown became a ball. I'm serious about that. Uh, it's just fun. And then, and then we had a little girl and everything changed. Like rooms were painted pink. Uh, we, we stopped watching superhero movies and we started watching princess movies. You know what I mean? We, we didn't watch Sports Center all the time. Now we watch My Little Pony. What is that about? It's also Anyways. the same show, by the way, Sports Center. Like I learned that. That is the same show repeatedly all morning. You learn something new every time. No, that's not. That Anyways, is literally not. It's the whatever. same thing. And then, and then there is one show, though. Come on, every parent in the room knows this. There is one show... Uh, there are some shows that you watch and your kids love it and you're like, what is this show even about? Like, this makes no sense at all. But there's one that our whole family fell in love with. Yeah, Barbie Dreamhouse. Okay, so. <laughs> Have you seen You know this? it. You know the show. This show has no right to be as funny as it is, but it is hilarious. It, like, genuinely gets it's chuckles. It's for adults. It's, it's not even absolutely for, for adults. It gets chuckles out of me. Like, if you go home and watch, just like, hit me up. But it is, it is hilarious. And we were always like, can we watch that? It's adorable. Yeah. So the show is called Barbie's Dream House. And we thought, we talked about friendships and marriage. Now let's talk about how do we have a dream house? Yeah. Not Barbie's Dream House. How do we have your dream house? The, the kind of family life where your kids love growing up and where your children are a joy and not just just a job to you. Yeah, did you want to talk about the day we became parents? <laughs> did you want to talk about the day we became parents? Well, I just think it's a story worth telling um, because it doesn't always start so dreamy. Okay. Um, did you want to, do you want to confess anything to the people while we're here? Some of you know. Okay, so... Um, Jason passed out when Joey uh, was born. Okay. <laughs> wow. He flat out passed out. Can't wait to confess all of your issues. Wow. Um, so look, the birth, the birth of a baby is beautiful, but it's not pretty. And um, I saw a part of okay, the birth okay, process. Okay, all right, all right. Jason will say things like, that was such a hard day for us. Look, it was so bad for me that hospital security had to come do a report on me. Didn't see anyone do a report on you. Right. So... It wasn't like a dainty Victorian crumble. You know, like, <laughs> it was like <laughs> timber. And he fell. So there was like three nurses rushed over to be with him. And then three nurses rushed over to clean up the nine pound, two ounce baby, by the way, which I was cool with. And then like, for me, it, it reached its low point when I heard one of the nurses go to Jason, sir, can we get you some apple juice? 
<laughs> talking about, I literally was like, I don't, I would love a beverage. I don't know if we're just taking orders or like, I was sort of like, and I was just like, well, I don't, I'd never given birth before, so I just didn't know the, the juice protocol, but yeah, they were like offering him beverages. And I, I was just like, okay. And so I was like, I would love to get in on that. Uh, it's been a hard, yeah. But he'll always say things like it was a hard day for us. Liz was so mad at me uh, because apparently when I passed out, the doctor cursed. And she, she did. So mad. She said, oh, blank. And she was so mad. She was like, I can't believe the first word our son heard when he was born was a curse word. Yes. And, and I said, technically the first word he heard was, oh. Yeah. Oh, blank. And then, but semantics, who cares? We've, he's a great father. You've made it up since then. You really is a great dad, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> Didn't know we were telling that story. It's yeah. great. Okay. So here's the weirdest thing that happens though, right? So you have a baby, your whole world is turned upside down. You're not sleeping. You're exhausted. And then they put your wife and your baby in a wheelchair and they wheel them downstairs, you bring the car around, they put the baby in the car seat, set the car seat in the car, your wife gets in, you get in, and then the nurse shuts the door and she doesn't get in. It's like, where are you going? We don't know what we're doing. And there's, there's no instruction manual, there's no guide, there's no rules, you don't know what you're doing driving away is one of the craziest experiences of your life. You feel like everyone else on the road is driving like a moron. You're driving about 15 miles under the speed limit. And from that moment on, you ask a question over and over and over again. Here's the question when you ask as a parent, am I, am I doing it right? Am I, am I doing this parenting thing right? And it makes a lot of sense when you have a baby, doesn't it? Because like babies are babies. They can't tell you what they want. They can't tell you what they need. And so you wonder, am I doing it right? And you think to yourself, someday I'll get the hang of this. And then, then there's that day when they go to kindergarten and they come home with a broken heart or a scraped up knee. And you ask yourself, am I, am I doing it right? And they go to middle school and middle school has all kinds of weird hormones and issues. And then they get to high school and, and nobody thinks they're doing it right when your kids are in high school. It doesn't matter how good you are. And this question, it never goes away. In fact, here's what I know. Just because I have a parent doesn't mean I know anything about being one. And I had good parents, and Liz had good parents. And I don't know anything about being one. Another uh, thought is this. Just because I was a kid doesn't mean I know anything about raising one. And here's the truth. If you were to go to the Bible and look for good examples of wonderful godly parents, <laughs> you're not really going to find them. The very first parents, God creates Adam and Eve, places them in this place called the Garden of Eden, which means the Garden of Pleasure and Delight. They have children, two sons first. And check this out. If you feel bad about yourself as a parent some days, remember this. The first parents had one of their kids kill the other kid. You're doing better than you think, everybody. Yeah. Remember Mary and Joseph? They lost Jesus. They lost him. That is, they lost God. They lost him. That is not good. Look, we both lost one of our kids or multiple of sure. our kids. McDonald's play places But we didn't are lose crazy. God, okay? Like, you're doing better than you think. So here's the point of this. 
is we want to talk to you not necessarily about stories in the Bible of great parents, but biblical principles combined with our 16-ish years of parenting. And let me say this to you. If you're here for the first time and you're like, well, that wasn't much of a sermon, we're admitting this isn't much of a sermon. If you want a sermon, come back next week. Today's not much of a sermon. We want to give you some handles. And regardless of the season of life that you're in, if you find yourself single, tuck these principles away, put them in the medicine cabinet of your life. If you're here and you're married and you have kids, this is perfect for you. If you're single and you have kids, this is perfect for you. If you find yourself past the age of having kids at home, there's something in this for you. And let me offer you this thought. If you don't have kids, but you have influence in life, this is for you. Last week I preached on marriage and we had people write us and say, my kids, they're teenagers. And they were taking the principles for marriage and applying them to their friendships. So everything we're going to talk about is principle based and all of it can help you in all of your relationships. But today we want to talk about how do you have that dream home, that dream house, the, the kind of house where your kids love it, where you love it, where it's a joy to come home every single day. And as a disclaimer, not because we are perfect parents in any way. Like we could spend the 30 minutes talking about things we did wrong as, as parents. So it's, it's not that. Well, what's one thing we did wrong? Wow. Okay. Well, you passed out when Joey was born. Uh, one new no, okay. thing. Okay. okay. Um, I, one time I went to pick up one of our kids at preschool and he came out wearing like an old man's coat. And I was like, what the heck is that? I was like, and the lady's like, it was really cold today. And you sent him in shorts and a shirt. So we got this jacket from the lost and found because he was freezing. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not a great mom. Apparently it was cold out, sent my kid to school in shorts and a shirt. Now he's in the lost and found clothes. <laughs> but that was just one example. I could They're write a book. They're fine. It makes fine. them stronger. Yes. Look All how right. happy they are. All right. So do me a favor. In your worship guide, you should have blank lines for message notes. I want you to take some notes today. Here's the first thing. We want to teach you four principles, four things we've learned that we find in scripture, in principle, and in practice in our own lives. The first thing is this. If you want to have a dream home, you have to, number one, define your win. What does it look like? Like for some of us, our win is just to get through a day. It's just to get through an hour. When you have a baby and you're not sleeping at night, you think, if I could just get through this night... But what does really a win in parenting look like? Well, scripture has something beautiful. I love the metaphor scripture uses. In the book of Psalm 127, David says this. He says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And I want you to pay attention to this. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. He uses this metaphor, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Well, what is the point of a warrior having arrows? It's not to hold them. It's not to collect them. It's not to build a museum to feature them. It is to use them. It is to launch them. It is to shoot them. It is to use them. In the same way, I would say this as parents, scripturally, one of the most important things you need to understand about having children is you raise them to release them. You raise them, you train them, you give them the tools they need, the information they need, the help they need, so that you can release them, not, not into the world, but into the calling that God has for them. And here's the thing, that's daunting. It's daunting to kids, it's daunting to parents. It was maybe two or three months ago, one of my sons came to me and he said, Dad, look, the world is so weird. There's a situation going on at school and it was weird. And I said to him, I was like, buddy, look, the world is weird. In fact, the world that you live in in 2023 is very different than the world that I was raised in. Things are pushed on you. Agendas are pushed on you. There's so much different in the world than when I was a kid. But here's what I want you to know. God knew that. 
And God knew that this weird, dark world would need you right here, right now. So I'm going to give you everything I've got. I'm going to empty my cup, giving you everything that I have. But what I need you to understand is that God knows and God will give you everything you need to do all that he's called you to do. So we raise our kids, not to keep them, but to release them, to send them out into the call of God on their life. Now from that though, my wife and I have a goal. And what's interesting is this goal is a filter. It helps us in every decision we have to make, every time we have to discipline, every time we think about our calendar and what we're going to do or what we're not going to do, this filter gives us everything. Here's our goal. Our goal is kids who enjoy being with us and each other when they no longer have to be. Our goal is that our kids love their upbringing so much. They feel so loved, they feel so seen, they feel so valued, they feel so cared for, they feel so nurtured, they feel so much fun and happiness and joy that when they have the choice someday of whether or not to spend time with us and each other, they choose to. Now think about this. Think about how this filter changes things for you. Think about how it changes the way you discipline. Think about the way it changes the way you listen to them. It changes everything. Why? Because I want them to love their life so much that when they have the choice someday, they choose me and they choose us. What you need to understand about children is time passes fast. Every season comes and it goes. And, and when you have a baby and you're not sleeping, there will be one really sweet, well-intending old person who will say to you, don't blink or you'll miss it. Don't Ugh. blink or you'll miss it. And the funny thing is, I don't think anyone doesn't blink yeah. as good as us. Like we try as much as you can and you, you can't help it. My, my son, Joey, just got a job at Publix and I've been calling him Pub Sub, you know, like, like. And Bogo Joe. Bogo Joe. That's good. But like, it, I, I remember bringing him home from the hospital. It, it happens fast. Why are you doing this? I don't know. That's I'm emotional. It is depressing. So. So experts say there's basically four stages of parenting. The, the first one is what we call the discipline years. This is when your children are ages zero through five. This is when you spend a lot of time and energy telling them what to do and what not to do. You're creating boundaries for them. You're giving them right and wrong, yes and no filters for their life. And then after the discipline years comes the training years. That's ages five through 12. The, the training years, you're answering the question how. You're showing them how to do things, how to make decisions, how to live a godly kind of life. You're giving them the how tools. And then after that is the, se the season we're in for two of our three kids, which is the coaching years. That's ages 12 to 18. So you go from what to how to why. And you're teaching your children principles so that they can have the tools to make the difficult decisions they need to make. And here's the hardest part, and this is a part that I see a lot of parents mess up on, is they don't give their children the freedom to try stuff. They, they build lives that are completely, entirely dependent upon them as parents. They don't give them tools and, and you need to let your kids try stuff. And your kids need to try, your kids need to fail, your kids need to succeed, and you need to be there to celebrate them in their best moments. You need to be there to love them in their most challenging and difficult moments, but you have to let them explore. And then if it's done right, comes the last stage of parenting, which I think can be the most fruitful and rewarding, which is what I would call the friendship years, is ages 18 and older. Now we're not there as parents yet, but we both have wonderful, amazing parents. And it's so fun when the relationship changes. They've taught us everything they've needed to teach us. They've launched us into our destiny. They've raised us to release us. And now the relationships to friends. And when you think about our goal, when you understand that our goal is that when our kids have a choice, they still choose us. 
It changes how every decision is made. It changes how you think about all of the seasons and stages of your life. Why? Because in each stage, my goal is that my kids come to love us, that they love their home, and that we honor and respect them throughout all of our years. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think you told me this years ago, but one of the things was when in doubt, zoom out, <laughs> meaning I'm exasperated right now. Will this matter in five years? Will this matter in five months? Will this honestly matter in five minutes? A lot of times the things I stress over. Um, and I think another part for that for me was learning to apologize to my kids was like, kind of huge for me because I thought like, I shouldn't apologize, I'm the parent. But then we are in a world where there's a sore lack of people who apologize and it doesn't undermine my authority to my kids if I apologize to them. It just shows them humility and an example of what they should and could be as adults. Um, point two is something I have dealt with a lot. It's what to do with overwhelmed. I uh, talked at a, I spoke at a national mom conference like four years ago and I was like, no one is gonna come see me because they had like big names there. But the title of my session was Overwhelmed. And so my room was packed. Like both times women were like, is this the overwhelmed room? I'm like, ooh, come in, you know? And um, so overwhelmed happened for me a lot. Um, particularly, I love the honest moms who are like, hey, this beginning part is hard. Like some of y'all love a newborn baby and can rock a newborn baby 18 miles in a rocking chair. But I struggled with that. Like I never realized how selfish of a person I was until I had a child and they were like, you can't sleep again tonight. And I was like, but I didn't sleep last night. So how dare you. Um, and that was, that was genuinely hard for me um, to get over. But becoming overwhelmed and rooting that out in my life has come to be a lot about finding the root of what is overwhelming me. So yes, the situation can be overwhelming, but oftentimes we're feeding the overwhelmed. And this is kind of just a principle for everybody, by the way. When I get to the root of why I'm overwhelmed, a lot of it for me has to do with comparison. Um, if I am comparing my life as a mom, as a woman, as a wife, as anybody, to anything else I see that is not just my own assignment with my kids, then I become overwhelmed. Because it is a hard world out there. And I didn't grow up with social media, thank God, but now my kids do. And there's like a culture of just shaming everybody for what you don't do right. And it's really hard. Like, I literally um, like was the kind of mom who was like doing my best, but it was like somebody would have on their story, like today we frolicked in the garden for three hours. We came in after we had picked a harvest. We fostered the harvest. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that means. They're like, then we all sang as each child played their instrument and we went to bed with hearts and bellies full and treasured. I was like, I will take a number three <laughs> like, that is like that was literally like the kind of person I was and if not that it was like the moms were very thin they had had their babies like six minutes ago and they were like this is my bikini bottom like I will kill you um, like my last kid is eight now I'm like when does that kick back but anyway I don't know but but for me comparison feeds my overwhelmed. So if you need to step away from that step away from that there is nobody I have realized that is my kid's mom except me. So whether I think I'm great for that job or not, I'm what they got, right? <laughs> so I'm going to be the mom that I can for them. And, and I, I like the flip of um, uh, what scripture says about this. It says, uh, this is just kind of a reminder. It says, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is 
overwhelmed. Uh, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I love that God kind of gives us a trade. It's like the worst trade in the history of trades, but I can trade my overwhelmed for his, and his overwhelmed is to be overwhelmed by his goodness, to be overwhelmed by how big he is, to be overwhelmed by, even though in my weakness, he is strong. And that is a trade that I don't deserve, but that he gives us because he is a good God. And I just wanted to say in return, we can overwhelm our kids. In fact, scripture calls it exasperating our kids. It says in Ephesians 6, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? A great example for me was, um, some of you know my dad is going through like cancer treatment, and recently I went with him to one of his appointments, and I just loved this doctor we saw, because this is how he started. He said, well, Mr. David, you know, my dad, he said, um, tell me what you understand about your diagnosis. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. All day we had been getting information, 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 information. We had been talked at all day. Meanwhile, this man came in and said, tell me what you understand about this. And we were able to talk and explain what we were going through. And I thought, wow, I do that to my kids. I talk at my kids all day, but am I talking to them? Am I letting them explain to me what they understand and helping and gently guiding, or am I just talking at them all day? And um, it's, it's for me been just such an interesting, I loved that moment in a bad circumstance, but just kind of feeling the heartbeat of God in that moment. Like, I don't just need to talk at you. We need to talk to you and understand that um, because we're all going to become overwhelmed. It's kind of inevitable. So good. One of the simple principles that's helped us with that overwhelmed feeling is a quote by Pastor Andy and his wife, Sandra Stanley. And it's simply this, the days are long and the years are short kick in the gut. It, it hurts. The days are long. And there are days when it's like your goal as a parent is just to get through the end of the day. Yes. Your goal is to get your baby to bed. Your goal is to get through another night of sleeplessness. Your goal is just to get through and the days feel eternal. And like I said earlier, you have that good, well-intending parent that comes up and says, don't blink or you'll miss it. And then the funny thing is it doesn't matter how good you are, you blink. Yes. And it's so interesting. The days are long, but then you blink and they're graduating kindergarten. Then you blink and they're in middle school. Then you blink and they're in high school and they smell like sweat and Axe body spray all the time, all the time. But that, that's what happens, right? The days are long and the years are short. So here's the point. One of the things I love about our church is if you were to leave here and go out into your right in the Access Kids hallway, there's a whole wall full of these booklets that we've made for you for each age of your child's life. And the reason is... Every single year of your child's life is really a part of a phase. And here's what you need to understand about the phases. The phases are short, so don't miss them. The stuff that annoys you in a day will be something you laugh about in the future. So don't miss it. Enjoy it. Third principle, if you're taking notes, write this down. Here it is. The best gift we can give our kids is a healthy us. It's a healthy us. And I'm going to be honest, when I first wrote this, what I wrote was the best gift we can give our kids is a healthy marriage, because I actually believe that that is God's ideal for your kids is to be in a home with a mother and a father who love each other and love them. But here's the deal. I understand that there's a difference between what is ideal and what is real. What is ideal and what is real? What is ideal is playing by God's rules, living by God's standards. What is ideal is a husband and wife who love each other. What is ideal is creating an example for your kids that they're going to want to follow. What is real is a lot of families are, are broken. 
What is real is currently 40% of children born are born to single parents. And whether you're single and raising kids by choice, whether you're single and raising kids on accident, maybe you came in today feeling like as a parent, this is not what you intended. Here's what we understand. Still the principle holds. You're, the best thing you can give your kids is a healthy version of you. One of the best principles I could teach married people is this. Prefer your spouse over your kids. It shows your kids something. Uh, there, there's the difference between trips and vacations. A vacation is when you go with just your wife. A trip is when you take your kids, right? So let me talk to all the married men in the room. Plan date nights with your wife. Why, why does it matter? Because your kids need to see that you honor and prefer their mom. It makes a big difference. Go on vacations. What does it do? It gives your kids a different kind of adventure. It gives you a break in an adventure. And it always reminds your kids that you love them. You're not necessarily their number one priority. They are a priority, but not number one. But also it shows them that you'll always come back and you always love them. Like make the decision to be the healthiest you. And here's the reason. When you get married, you're a family before you ever add kids to the mix. And here's the hard reality for a lot of people. You're still a family after your kids are grown and leave. How many statistics are out there to show how many people get divorced when their kids leave high school and go to college? It's because the whole relationship was founded on having children. Best gift you can give your kids is a God-honoring marriage. Yeah, I think sometimes we gasp and we're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't take time for myself or, or you know, whatever, that's selfish, but it really isn't. And if we, like Jason said, if kids are arrows and we're raising them to release them, then they will leave one day as they should. That's healthy, that's the normal thing. Um, but also we want to then be healthy in the midst of that. And we've seen people come into our offices who have broken down because their kids left home and it's like, I don't know who I am anymore. And that shouldn't be the case. You should still realize God has an assignment for your life in every single season, so. We want to land on the last one, and that's the most important one, and that is to lead children to their own relationship with God. Lead children to their own relationship with God. That sounds so obvious. That sounds so important, but let me tell you this. Um, when I pray for my kids, I pray that they will not just have um, experiences with God, but that they will have encounters with God. Well, what's the difference? Encounters mark your soul. <laughs> I could tell you guys, it's such a simple, like silly kind of testimony, but I grew up in a pastor's home and I accepted Jesus because like that's what we did. And I had the Sunday school answers, prayer, Bible, David and Goliath, you know, all the things. But I remember a day when my faith became my own faith and I was in seventh grade and I remember I'd been having nightmares and I didn't tell anybody that, but like for a week straight, I had nightmares. And I just remember thinking like, this is the worst. Well, I walked into school one day and I, I went to a Christian school and, and my Bible teacher put a little piece of paper on everybody's desk and it said, prayers for peaceful sleep. And it just was like a prayer to pray before bed. And then it had these scriptures about peaceful sleep. And I just remember my jaw hit the floor and I was 12 years old, you know, and I thought, I didn't tell anybody this, like, God sees me. God knows me. I have, I'm 40 now, that was a while ago. Um, I have that piece of paper still because I remember, and it was an encounter with God. I said, God sees me. What my parents have been saying is true, but God sees me, Liz. He, he knows me. You know, with your kids, do they know your stories? Do they know how God's been faithful to you in your past? Do I stop and tell my kids, hey guys, we didn't know if you'd be here. When we got married six months in, I got diagnosed with cancer. 
and we prayed, and look, I'm cancer-free, and you kids are here, and you're thriving. God is good. Do they hear me say that? Do they hear me tell my stories? Do they hear us say, we didn't know if access would make it, we didn't have enough money, and then God came through? Do they hear that from my mouth? Do they see in the hard times where I go? Do I crumble? Do I get upset? Sure, but do I go to the Lord? with that. You know, when I was growing up, I would come downstairs for breakfast and my dad came out of his study. He had already been in prayer for an hour every day. I saw that every day. My kids, do they see me read the word? Do they watch me go serve somewhere? Do they see me talk about God in everyday life? Do they see me be a witness to those around me? Do they see me serve the church community? If not, how can I be confused when they're not picking that up in their own life? I am the closest thing they see. I think like we talk about like, you're like, oh, well, I send them over to Pastor Ida. Pastor Ida will tell them about God. Pastor Ida gets them one Sunday a week. There's only one Sunday in a week, so that. But she gets them one hour a week if you come every week. So 52 hours she gets with them all year. You get hours with your kid every day. You are their pastor first. Are you modeling that for them? Are they seeing that in your life? If not... How are you confused? A scary quote, but if you treat God and church as optional, don't be confused when your kids grow up and treat him as unnecessary. Is God first in my life? Do I show that to them? And let me say a word too for those in the room who aren't parents yet. We learned a long time ago that our kids need voices in their life that aren't us. So somebody right now needs your voice. You have a voice and an assignment and a calling. Somebody needs to hear from you. Somebody's kid could learn something from you. That's not something I have to be insecure about. Why can't I meet their every need? No, 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 no. We are doing this all together. When we dedicate the babies, we say, we're gonna come behind you and serve you. It takes a village to raise a child. So our kids need voices that aren't just us. That's not something to be ashamed of. That's something to be celebrated that when my son has something, he can call Pastor Isaiah or my daughter can call her small group leader. That's a good thing. And maybe you're being called to be that in somebody else's life. I don't want you to miss something she said a moment ago. It's children need to see it modeled. Children that come to church often start with a borrowed faith. They borrow the faith of their parents. But then there are moments when their faith becomes their own. And I don't want you to miss it. One of my favorite things in the Old Testament is how people would have dramatic encounters with God, where God would show up and do the impossible, where he would be faithful. And very often they would stack some rocks and they would build an altar. And the point of the altar was so that they could come back and they could remember. I think every time your children see you lift your hands in worship, it's stacking a rock. I think every time your children know that you sacrificially honor God by tithing and giving, it's stacking a rock. Every time they see you serve someone else, it's stacking a rock. Every Sunday that you wake up and you think, I'm so tired, this week was so long, but I'm putting God first and giving him the first of my week and the first of my energy, it stacks a rock. And I don't want you to miss it. Parents that treat church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus someday as unnecessary. Don't miss that. Like you get to model it for them. And by modeling it for them, you encourage them to discover who he is, his goodness, his faithfulness for themselves. If the only spiritual conversation your kids have all week is the random Sundays you bring them to church, you're missing out. What would it look like if all of us made this decision that it starts with me? Let me ask you a question. How's how's your relationship with God going? 
How's your faithfulness to him looking? How's your giving? How's your serving? How's, how's your activity at church? How's, it, how's that going for you? What would it look like if all of us just made this decision? If I wanna release my kids into the destiny God has for them, they need to see it in me. I need an altar that I can come back to and say, well, when I was your age, this happened. And God spoke to me at this camp. God called me to this life at this moment in my life. He needs that. So here's how we thought it would be great to end today. We wanna to pray a blessing over you. I know this wasn't a normal sermon. I hope this was good for you. It wasn't a normal sermon, but here's my hope. My hope is that we leave today with some principles. We, we leave with maybe a new North Star that guides us towards the path that God has for us. And I just thought it would be great. Like, look, we don't have it all together, but I do think we have a home that, that we're modeling this, a home where we're inviting you to do in some ways what we've done. So here's what I thought would be great. Can we, can we all stand together? And we're gonna pray a blessing over you and then I'll dismiss you to have an incredible day. Let's pray. Hold on to you. <laughs> don't fall. Yeah. Lord, thank you that, um, God, you are our father. You're the ultimate parent. You're the one that modeled it all for us. You wouldn't even let death itself get in the way of showing your great love for us. I pray that today we'd be challenged, that we'd make a change, that somebody in this room is called today to invest in a child's life in their own home, in someone else's home. Lord, let us be inspired to go after you so that those around us can watch it and see and find their own encounter with you. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. amen.